Well, we are back with another episode of Out of the Main, the Yacht Rock Podcast. Hello, second-rate first mate, John. Ah, you got my title right again, finally. It's been a while. I know. I'm always tempted to screw it up and say first-rate second mate. No, 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 no. Other way around. Not at all. Well, this is a a very exciting episode for us, for the guests that we are about to bring on. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you, um, as a fellow Yacht Rock lover, you might even say... Uh, geek, um, you know, one of the most fun things that um, Yacht Rock fans do is they go and they, they talk about the personnel on, on records, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was reading the other day a personnel lineup that I wanted to share with you, okay. and uh, you'll like it. So see if you know any of these names. Bill Champlin? Yes, I've heard of him. Okay, so far so good. <laughs> so far right. so good. We're uh, yes, uh, Richard Page. Uh, yeah, I happened to name my band after him. Yes. Yes. Bill Medley. Yes. Uh, Michael McDonald. Uh, yes. Vernon Porter. Yes. Um, so you know all of these guys so far. This is, yeah. uh, Tristan Bowden. Yeah. We I spoke know you know to him, him just a couple weeks ago. Lenny Castro. Yeah. Um, so if I were reading this, you would think, oh, that's a record from about 1981 or so, probably yep. produced by the likes of David Foster or Jay Graydon. Yeah. What if they... Well, yeah, very yachty. I thought, what if those people all made an album today? How cool would that be? Uh, I think we have an opportunity to find out more about that. Are you teasing me, sir? I am teasing you, sir. <laughs> but that's what we uh, in the podcasting business call a tease. Yeah. So let's get on with it. There actually it. is a collaboration amongst those folks, and we're going to learn more about how it happened, where it came from, and where we can all get our ears and hands on it. Sound good? Sounds good. It's uh, It may be off the map, but it is totally connected to the yacht world. So you wait and see. Absolutely. So let's bring in our guests. So uh, one, like I said, is an aforementioned session cat from the Yacht Rock days. And then TJ George, who is uh, with us as well, is sort of, from what I understand, the quarterback of a very cool album for a very good cause. We're going to learn all about it. Please welcome to the podcast, Vernon Porter and TJ George, I guess. Hey guys, hey, how, how are, you? are you? Good, very good, very good. I just wanted to really quick start with uh, Vernon um, because uh, my brother here, my co-host, is a drummer, right? right. So uh, I pretended to be a bassist for years, and um, <laughs> recent guests on this podcast include Tristan Bowden and Tommy Taylor, and I'm like, can we get a bass player up in here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, come on. What's up, man? So well, we finally do. And we're, we're starting with a good one. Uh, Vernon Porter, who I would describe to people who didn't know you know much about personnel back in the days as the bassist for Kenny Loggins, amongst others. But um, you also did some work, I think, uh, with Larson Fighting. Who, who else did you play with yeah. back in the day? Uh, Neil and Buzz was actually... Uh, my first gig when I moved to the West Coast, you know, which shocked myself and a lot of other people. Who got that gig? <laughs> so it was it was Neil and Buzzy. Uh, and then uh, Kenny, I did Tim Weisberg, mm-hmm. whom some have called the godfather of smooth jazz. I think they changed that name now to Groove Jazz or something like that. And then also uh, the great Dave Mason, Music Hall of Famer. Love. Um, yeah. Uh, did, gosh, you know, uh, tracked with Bette Midler. Just, you know, a lot of great folks from back in that era. And uh, Tris and I kicked around Laguna Beach back when it was a musical mecca uh, on the West Coast. All, all the guys from the Loggins band lived down there and all these other touring guys. And so you had these string of clubs up and down from Laguna to, you know, Dana Point, Newport Beach. And so we'd all come off the road and go in there and blow our brains out until it was time to leave again, playing in all these funk fusion bands. And uh, that's how I got to know Tris and some of these other guys. Just, you know, who's this guy that's, you know, showed up out here, you know, from my beginnings in Columbus, Ohio. Hmm. Back to Columbus, Ohio. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That might explain something. Yeah. 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 Tom's a Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to throw me under the bus already? Sorry, man. But hey, peace for one day. One day. That's right. Well, That's half right. hour. Half hour at least. <laughs> so, TJ, uh, your uh, primary instrument, from what I gather, is uh, piano and voice. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. On your website and on this uh, demand impact uh, page that I'm looking at, 
Um, you talk about these guys are legends and heroes too. So who uh, among them, or even outside of the list of people you had on here, were the ones that really were the driving forces for you musically coming up? Oh well, you know it's funny because every one of these guys has um, a direct impact on me musically. I loved the studio guys, you know that just was such a big passion. Um, so when I say heroes and legends, there's no doubt about it. You know, um, I, there's nothing more enjoyable than opening up you know, the sleeve and uh, uh, vinyl and looking at the names and ex- uh, escaping for an hour. Right. Uh, I'm sure that's not a not something that is um, uh, I, that I'm saying, you know, wildly. I'm sure you recognize that. Correct. You escaped oh, yeah. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, all of these guys are a part. So I, I, I um wouldn't want to uh, pick out just one. Gotcha. So they're all incredible. They just aren't they? They're just all incredible. But you grew up on that era of music then. Absolutely. Yeah. I just loved all of that. It was my everything. Music was my babysitter, my mom, my dad, my hmm. my brother and my sister. It was my therapist, you know, and um, it was always there for me. It taught me so much and it listened to me as much as I listened to it. So Absolutely. Wow, mic drop right there. Yeah, right. Well, let's talk about Heroes and Legends, the album that um, is the occasion of us talking to you both, uh, because this is a really cool concept. You heard me uh, list off the personnel, right? So that is like a Yacht Rocker's dream list right there. Yes, it is. And we got to hear how this whole project came together, in addition to why it came together, because this is all for a cause that I think is near and dear to both of your hearts. So who wants to explain the genesis of what this project is, how it started, and how the two of you hooked up. The reality is um, my son is uh, is a recovering addict, but at the time, um, he was a full-blown addict, and um, I he called me. He was actually missing for a long period of time. Um, and as a father who doesn't know if his son's alive or dead, you know, the angst and uh, anger and frustration and uh, nervousness and all of the emotions that come with that. He called me and said, dad, can you come pick me up? And I said, where are you? I'll come get you right now. Where are you? And um, I drove to pick him up and, you know, I get to the location uh, that the GPS says, and I'm sitting in front of an underpass and I'm totally confused. Cause I don't know, you know, did he give me bad information or something like that? Well, I see him walk out from the underpass and in an instant, I knew that he had been living there. And so, you know, it was as bad as it could get. He was an addict and homeless and living it under an underpass and, you know, um, that began our journey of uh, trying to get him as much help um, as we possibly could. And yeah, at the same time of all of the, of all of that, um, I had I was going through the struggle of trying to figure out what to do. You know, to occupy my mind from the um, tenseness of that, and uh, came up with the idea of writing songs that would support you know, a project that would talk about addiction, addiction recovery, um, the troubles that come with all of that. And then of course, redemption and, uh, hope and, uh, all of those things are a part of, of the process. So, and so I can honestly say that my first call was to Vernon Porter. So, um, I'm happy to tell the story of how he came, uh, into the process, into my mind for doing this, but, um, I'm happy to hand it off to him to speak a little bit. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting day. And then, uh, boy, as we, TJ and I got to know each other and, and as he shared his story with me, it was, it was pretty incredible. He said he was going for a run one day, if you don't mind me sharing that part of it. And sure. he, he heard this track and he said, who's this bass guy? <laughs> so he asked a friend, oh, that's this guy Vernon Porter. Oh, wow. I'd sure like to work with him. And he goes, well, he lives right down the street from this. So oh, wow. Valerie and I had moved back to uh, Columbus, Ohio, my hometown for a few years. So anyway, there was a connection there. Then I get a phone call from TJ. He said, I'm looking for a producer. 
I've got this project in mind. Uh, can we talk? And I said, you know what? I'm leaving back to California with tomorrow. Then he said, can we at least get together for a cup of coffee and talk about this? I go, sure. So we sat down. He told me, uh, you know, uh, the story of, of his son and, uh, you know, the heartbreak that he had gone through with that. And uh, so his vision for creating this thing to raise resources to help folks through detox and recovery and just, you know, seeing the pain and yet the, you know, him being so hopeful about helping others immediately grabbed my attention. I said, well, you know, I'm not sure I'm the guy because I'm not going to be here, but maybe I can refer you to somebody. And then after listening for an hour, I said, do you know anything about my family story with my daughter's passing? And he said, no, what are you talking about? And I went, okay, now you've got my attention uh, to myself, of course. So in 2010, my daughter, Vanessa, was dosed and uh, left in a room, passed away uh, four days after her 22nd birthday. Um, at that point, I put music and everything else aside, went out for 28 months on a journey to D.C. and Sacramento and any ear that I could grab in politics. And, and uh, we were successful in passing what's called the Good Samaritan Law in California. And um, that means if you're around somebody who goes into distress over alcohol or drugs, you can call 911 without fear of prosecution. So, um, you know, and I just tried to, after that call came in, that it finally got signed into law after 28 months. But when you stop and think about it, that's not really a long time to get a law passed because those things can languish in eternity. Um, but it was 28 months to the day of my daughter's passing. And uh, I had a pretty good meltdown. I didn't know what to do with myself after that. I had to really face, you know, a lot of grief that I've been putting aside. And uh, so I don't know if I can get a plug in here for grieving families if they're going to hear it, but EMDR therapy helped me quite a bit. And I just want to put that out there. I don't know if you guys are able to talk about that at all, but uh, I would like to recommend that. And also say that there is a 911 Good Samaritan law in all 50 states now. So, you know, people need to understand that you can make a phone call to save a life. So at any rate, that's what started uh, our journey together. Uh, and you know, TJ and I, we would talk on the phone for, you know, gosh, probably close to a year before he finally decided, yeah, you're, we should probably do this project together. And then COVID hit and, you know, you know, more waiting, of course. And so now then, you know, through our conversations now, okay, who do we bring in? Uh, and then, of course, my good buddy, uh, Tristan Bowden, who I think we should probably, you know, give him the title of godfather of Yacht Rock Drumming. And, uh, sure. you know, I don't know if that's been laid on him yet, but we'll do it here today. Godfather, I got to <laughs> ask you a favor. So he was out surfing with McDonald one day. I said, hey, man, ask Mike if, if he'd be interested in joining our little project here. So the Godfather called him up and made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Tris called me and said, yeah, Mike's got eyes, man. Give him a call. So I called Mike and he was our first guy in. And then uh, I asked Tris if he would be kind enough to call uh, Bill Champlin, uh, which once again, the Godfather made the call. You know, when the Godfather calls, you don't turn him down. You know, one day I may call you for a favor. So he did. And uh, uh, Bill, uh, which we did not know at that time, had lost his son, Brad. Uh, so, of course, he had a heart for what this was as well. So then Bill came in and then, you know, uh, Tris called me up again, said, hey, man, I just got off the phone with with uh, Bill Medley, lost his wife a year ago, came, you know, to cancer. He's coming through throat cancer. What do you think? I called TJ. TJ, what about Bill Medley? It's like, are you kidding me? Another Hall of Famer? <laughs> and so, yeah, I called Bill after Tris, you know, made that initial call. He was in. You know, if you don't like what I'm doing, just hit a race. It's okay. I'm, I doubt that's going to happen. So uh, then the last call was I reached out to another friend in common and said, man, I really like to talk to Richard Page. When I called Richard, I had no knowledge of this. The day I called him, his granddaughter, Malia Miracle, had just passed. Uh, she had gone into uh, um, a coma nine years prior to that on an opiate overdose. And so you have all of these incredible stories that just kind of came about lockstep at the same time, at the same moment with all of these amazing hearts. And then from there, you know, Tris and I, we're going to 
start this group together. We are no longer together in the physical, but of course, with the work that we've done together, we'll always be joined at the hip with that stuff. Um, love working with Tris. He and I, a lot of the people have said over the years, you know, that we, you know, they really enjoy our work together as a rhythm section. And uh, certainly well, one of, yeah, one of my favorite guys. John and but, I just yeah. said that just last week, and I'm not kidding because we had Tris on the podcast and we were doing the uh, High, High Adventure. Adventure album. Yep, we went through oh, that really? track by track. And yeah, we're just sure. loving the. Uh, was it? Um, what song was it, John? The uh, I got to try right. No, well, then, no, no, I, I got to try. That was Abel Boreal. What, what that was it. it. Which one was it? So it could have been uh, Heartlight. It was one where you're doing like some popping and stuff on the second verse. I remember pointing that out. I don't uh, yeah, Heartlight, probably. Yeah, Heartlight. Yeah, Heartlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Heartlight. I think you yeah. said that was the first time the two of you had played together. Is that right? Well, with the Kenny thing, but he and I had been yeah. doing, you know, the Fusion Air stuff down in Laguna Beach. When everybody came off the road, you'd go do the tunes. It's like, you know. Do the head, do the chorus, and then everybody blows for 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, that's a recipe so, for success yeah. right there. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, in small clubs, I'm not sure, you know, on the big stage. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why we did that. You know, let's yeah. get it out of our system right. before we go out right. of here. So I was going to say to TJ that um, you said earlier on that music became your therapist. You probably had no idea to this degree how much it would become not just your therapist, but a therapy for all these guys related. And you've got this project. So you've got people saying, yay, we're in. Now the logistics of putting this all together, getting the songs and all that stuff. What did that sort of look like and figuring out how you're going to record together and all of that? Well, it's just a lot of discussions. And again, you know, I'm really uh, looking to Vernon because you know, initially it was like, he's going to play bass. And then it was, no, he's got to produce this project because he understands, he understood what we were trying to do right out of the gate, you know? And, um, he has an amazing ability to, uh, really, you know, put people together and get, you know, get the best out of them. Not that anyone, uh, didn't offer up their best anyway, you know, it was an amazing group with just, um, uh, harnessing their skill set, right? It was incredible. It's just yeah. incredible. And I'll let John be the first to comment on the production uh, qualities because he is a producer and I'm not. But before, really quick, before mm-hmm. we get to that, TJ, what is your mindset? As two questions tied into one. When you have the coffee with Vernon and you had no idea that he had experienced something similar to you as a parent. What goes through your mind there? You had to feel like, oh, my God, this was meant to be. And then secondly, as Vernon starts calling you back with all these names of your heroes and your legends saying, hey, I got this guy. I got this guy. I got this guy. Your mind must have been blowing up at the time. And so, they had shared experience in this as well with Champlain right, and yeah. Bass, right? So, you know, not to get too heavy on you, but because um, I, I felt quite guided to a, to a large degree when I'm out running, um, and I'm listening to, uh, all of these terrible tunes. And then all of a sudden in the midst of these terrible tunes is this great, you know, Kenny Loggins tune that doesn't fit at all into these other tunes. (laughs) And I said out loud, that's the basis I need on my stuff. It's so groovy. And then, um, three days later, I'm having a conversation with a friend and he says to me, you should meet my friend. You'd really like him. Not talking about, you know, that song or anything. And then I come to find out that that friend is Vernon Porter (laughs) and the same guy that was playing on that song I was listening to. So yeah, there's a whole thing going on that's separate from me. That's for sure. And it was putting me in the same place as Vernon. And I'm going to have to believe that it just sort of guided all of us into a room to record. And um, I'm grateful for that. There's no doubt about that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Were you able to get into a room as a rhythm section and record or was it? uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we weren't going to do a, uh, 
a remote thing, you know, emailing. That's one of the things that uh, TJ and I, you know, agreed to right out of the gate is that, you know, everybody's got to be in the same room. And uh, so uh, TJ, and if you don't mind me speaking into Please. this, TJ, I'll shut up here in time. You guys Please want. learn it. But the, the great Mark McMillan, who played keyboards on yes. here and who's been Bobby Caldwell's MD. Well, you talk about another yacht rock hero, right? Yeah. yeah right. Uh, for the last 30 years, Mark and I worked together back in Colorado in the 70s. So I called up, hey, Mark, got this project, got your name all over it. TJ has written these amazing tunes, Need an Arranger. You know, because TJ, when we first started talking, I go, are we doing a West Coast record here? Uh, yes, we are. Then you're coming West. and <laughs> We're hitting all these West Coast guys, right? I'm not coming back. You're coming here. So I called Mark. I don't know, man. And then as soon as he heard the tunes and the cause, of course, boom, he was all in. So then you got Mark with his arrangements and his ridiculous skill set and Bruce Bollinger on guitar, Lenny Castro, who I worked with, with, uh, you know, Larson Feeton band, who's probably one of the most well-known percussionists in the world. And then Gary Winters and Trump. So all these guys, all these hearts. So we knew we had to get everybody in the same room. So we agree on uh, the arrangements, you know, for the most part, we have a rehearsal here on the West coast. TJ flies out. We go to the rehearsal room and uh, we iron out what we think we're going to do for the most part. Then we all get together in, in uh, uh, Dennis's uh, studio up in LA, who's the drum whisperer. He does Steve Gadd and, you know, all these other, he's their guy. So we get in his room to do the basic track. We were all literally sitting next to each other in the cutting room and just tossing out musical ideas. You know, it was a musical conversation. I run a pretty loose session. You know, I'm not a whip cracking kind of guy. Let's all take our gifts in there and see what happens. And if I need to speak into something I do, but for the most part, you trust the people that you bring into that situation like that. So we were all just having musical conversations going back and forth. Uh, the only thing that really took uh, any repeat cuts at all was the first track, uh, the, the Champlin sang on the horn track. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get the Godfather to go four takes. <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't like to go past three, but, uh, you know, I said, you know, I, I was kind of like a Frank Sinatra thing. I was giving him nookies, calling me my, my little hit maker. <laughs> Come on, give me one more pass. Come on. You can <laughs> Number four was magic. And uh, yeah, that's how we did it. I won't turn around. Won't turn around. There's nothing there to see. Hey Vernon, you don't want to you don't want to um, underplay the fact that this was all of uh, this entire group's first time back in the studio after you know COVID, and the magic of being able to just play with each other just had to play on everybody's heart. Oh no, no, you're so right, TJ. No, that's yeah. a great ad because you know humans playing with humans there there is nothing that will ever replace that. And you know Tom and I in our yacht rock thing, we're not into the the shtick of it. We're into the adoration of the music and the sophistication, the real players, the studio polish, the, the, as you said, TJ, uh, and our Vernon, the, the arrangements, all of that stuff. And when I listened to this record and I put it up in my studio speakers, I was just floored by not just the sonic quality that sounded so good, but it was wide sounding. It was Depth, had depth to it. It had warmth to it. There was space. There was sophistication. There was, you know, each instrument speaking a little bit, like you're saying, Vernon, with the conversation. And it's not a Yacht Rock sounding record, but it has all of the ideals of what Yacht Rock was. And as I was just saying about the, just the level of musicianship that you were after. And, um, I don't know if you, you know, the one that really caught my attention and maybe it was because, uh, I was sort of preconditioned to go into it, but, um, catatonic. I hate this bitter taste of jealousy and knowing that you don't belong to me. 
this gospel, this bluesy thing, the organ in there, the play out at the end where the lead guitar stuff comes in. It just allows the space for this idea to develop and allows the instruments and the players to all speak. And it's just, that to me sounds like 1978, even though it's a very modern sounding recording now. Mm. It, great observation. Thank you so much. I think TJ and I are, are both humbled by your comments. Very thank you. humble. Thank yes. you. Thank you. It was so important for us to do uh, a record that was a groove speak record. We did not want it to be a, a manufactured sounding piece of work. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, this is what it is. Clams and all. And we'll keep the clams to ourselves. Of course, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not going to tell you where the bodies right, are. Right. Well, question I had on that on catatonic real quick is so it's the vocalist is Asia page. That is correct. And it, the story behind that is so phenomenal. I'm not sure if either one of you have had the opportunity to look at uh, Richard's video, but that, had to do with his granddaughter after she OD'd uh, she developed a way to communicate with her father by you know uh, blinking their eyelashes so while she's you know fully needing round the clock attention she wrote the lyrics to that song oh my gosh and uh, you know the medical doctors are just going are you kidding me and so Richard then wrote the music. Richard's daughter, Asia, sings it. They were best buddies their entire lives. Um, And so, you know, this is, as I was telling you, when I called Richard, she had just passed. And he said, I've got this tune that just maybe, you know, for this project. Wow. And so that's Richard on guitar. Uh, We kept it very sparse. You know, when you bring in a great artist like Richard, it's like, okay, what do you want? What are you wanting to hear? We want to honor that. And so, you know, we tried to honor his wishes with that all the way down the line. And boy, did it fit TJ's vision perfectly. Uh, it just flows. I think the one thing, if I can say, and you being a producer, thank you so much. And I respect uh, your opinion so much. But even though you have all of these artists, what I wanted to try to accomplish was that it each track held hands from track to track. Even though it's it's different, we TJ and I both, we talked about this so much that it had to make sense and hold hands from track to track. And so I'm hoping that we were able to to make that happen. Well, having the rhythm section in the same room and, and Triss's drums carrying through, the texture is all there. They de- it definitely sounds like a cohesive uh, album listening experience for me. I would agree. Oh, it, it, I, I thought there was a tremendous continuity between tracks to the point where this feels like an album and not a compilation. It doesn't feel like, you know, the hit parade, get all these all-stars together and they can all kind of contribute a tune and, you know, you're going to get what you get. It sounds like this was intentionally, you get a mood listening to this. So aside from the sonic quality, which is all great, there's a mood about this record. Yes. And it's appropriate for the subject matter, I think. And you can sometimes with these compilation records that people do, sometimes you get sort of a mailed in effort from each artist, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. for some of these Christmas uh, compilations and things. This entirely from top to bottom, you just feel the depth of thought, because even if you just pay attention to the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics on these songs are just so rich and and Mm. just it's it's so good. So good. I got to encourage everybody to get out and and download this record. Yeah, I did say, John, if you recall, when uh, listener Kyle, who hooked us up with TJ. Yeah. So there's a a, a interesting connection because Kyle's a friend of the show and somehow he's connected to you, TJ, or a fan of yours. Um, and he sent me the Dropbox link and right away I sent it to John and I said, you're going to want to hear this. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even tell you the story first. I told you the cats who were on it, but just, I was blown away with what it sounded like. So, and I don't even know if those were final masters or not, but it sounds, you should be so proud of the sound and the album in the mood, in the context, in the cause. Well, thank you very much. I'm hugely humbled. So thank you so much. You know, TJ and I having those conversations about, the lyric content and his brilliant, uh, you know, wordsmithing on this about, you know, this thing has to hold hands lyrically. So my compliments to the chef on that, mm-hmm. man, what a task, you know, to boy pick songs that are going to hold hands throughout this whole process. And what he brought to it is just incredible, you know, to be able to stay focused like that. And uh, for him as a, as a writer, uh, I'm just so happy for him and uh, so very proud of him and what he's done. And also wanted to just offer up a great shout out to uh, Dennis Moody, the tracking right. engineer, the drum whisperer. 
Yeah. And also <laughs> Alan Sanderson, uh, the guy who mixed the record, Grammy-winning uh, Alan Sanderson, who's worked with everybody from the Stones on down. What a phenomenal job our engineers did. Yes, they did. Yes. They did. Well, how about one more shout-out? Okay. Because I wanted to talk real quick about the Bill Champlin tune. Oh, yeah. Um, I have two questions, but I want to get to the, the, the my what I want to know about the saxophonist. So uh, the solo is outstanding for one. Um, I had to go look at it because I'm like, which cat is this? It's got to be one of the cats, but I did not recognize the name. So it, uh, enlighten us. Who is Michael Paulo, or at least enlighten me. I don't John. You may know him. No. Uh, Michael Paulo has been around forever. He was with Al Jarreau for decades and decades, mm. I think. And also, has had an incredible uh, career as a smooth jazz artist. Truly just one of the most beautiful cats I'd ever met. I'd known about Michael forever. We'd only bumped into each other occasionally here and there. And he was going to be, of course, part of Tris's new uh, outstanding band, you know, the the new Yacht Stars. And yeah, uh, he'll fit right in. Just a great player. And uh, so, so Gary Winters, the trumpet player, and this is the only, uh, you know, remote recording that came in. Gary and I toured together way back in the early mid seventies. And uh, we were both 12 years old. We we're part of a young family. Band. Just kidding. Of course. So, anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't look old enough to uh, play yeah, in the seventies, right. but of course I really know better. So yeah. Oh no. And this is pre-op. You just wait. I'll pick my doctor right now. Okay. So this yeah, is going to be know. good. Okay. I will shoot you. If you know one that can regrow hair, you let me know. All right. It looks like you've already had that procedure. Well, now. no, I'm talking to those guys though too. I'm starting to get a little thin here, Tom. But uh, so at any rate, I called Gary and he's been with uh, Fred Wesley, James Brown's trombonist, of course, for the last 25, 30 years. He lives in Hanover, Germany. I said, hey, TJ and I want a horn arrangement on here. Uh, we'd like a horn arrangement. Why don't you do the section with Michael? Called Michael up, who lives right here by me, and said, hey, man, want you to work with Gary on this horn arrangement and want a solo. They never spoke to each other. They kept missing each other. They both wrote their own arrangement. And when they both sent them to me, we put the arrangements together, and that's what you have. We didn't change one thing. <laughs> wow. The arrangements worked perfectly together that's amazing no oh my changes gosh. whatsoever just amazing and in michael's ridiculous one take tenor solo on there it's just you know that is such a uh, classic champlin sounding track too right out of the, the the gate with that sort of wah-wah clav intro thing like <laughs> oh that's champlin right there right yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's mark yeah. and it's so great because uh tj of course you know when he put the tunes together the demos you know nobody knew what it was going to you know, the end result was going to be, of course. And so TJ sending out his tracks and go, pick one. <laughs> and so Champlin goes, that sounds like me. And we're going, okay. <laughs> Send the balance out to McDonald's. Pick one. Sangri sounds like me. Okay. Fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they kind of took care of themselves, you know. We're very thankful. Hmm. Yes. TJ, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the the cause and uh, proceeds for the sales of Heroes and Legends are going to benefit what? And uh, then tell us when and how we can get our ears and hands on this record. Well, appreciate you asking. Um, so all of the proceeds of the album go to uh, Demand Impact, which is the nonprofit I set up. And you can get to Demand Impact um, by going to the web and typing in demand-impact.org um, and um, downloading the digital uh, copy of the album from there. And again, all the proceeds go to the nonprofit. And we will divvy out... Um, the money to, for the first year, it'll go to young people in recovery. And we identified young people in recovery because they have um, outlets all across the country. So it's a national organization that has their hands um, in cities all across the country. And uh, we felt that that was really important. Um, they're doing a ton of the things that we believe um, make up a healthy recovery, which is they're trying to find housing for people, which is anchoring people properly, 
helping them find uh, careers and then also helping them um, stick with their programs that they have to follow, uh, whether that be NA or AA or whatever the programs are, building their network of people of support to help them. And uh, those are three critical um, legs on the stool, as we we like to believe. And, um, you know, as we expand this out, as there may be uh, more more music in the future, um, we we want to expand um, the outlets to where the money goes, because there are lots of organizations that are doing a lot of great work and um, we want to support, you know, as many of those as possible, because it's very important to the cause. Well, anything we can do to support that, even down the road, if you have new stuff out, we will certainly hawk it on our show. If you're listening to this, I want to encourage everybody to go and, and get this record, even if it's just for the listening experience and uh, knowing that it does all this good. But if you listen to this show, you probably have the, um, some people might call it snobbery, but a high standard for music. <laughs> and this album, every track on here achieves that standard, every one of them. Oh, wow. That's mm. very kind of you to mm. say. Very much so. Thank you, John. That brings me a, a question to mind, uh, Vernon. So speaking of high standards, so um, I knew you, of course, as a bass player, did not know that you had uh, a career as a producer. I'm curious for you, even as accomplished as you are, it, it must have been wild to produce, the, even though they're your friends, this collection of like all-stars and legends and heroes. Uh, so what was that like? And as you're presenting back uh, final mix downs, did you get any feedback from like a Michael McDonald or a Bill Champlin? Oh, it sounds great. Or, you know, kick up my vocals. Turn more, me up. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you're absolutely right. You know, this was, uh, and I've been pretty fortunate, you know, I had a group called above the clouds uh, that did well uh, critically. And that was the great Vince Denham who played sax with Michael McDonald for 28 years. And Vinny and I were uh, partners in that band and some other acts along the way. So the first thing I did was you, you're, you're going to have mixed approval. I promise you, I'll send you the mixes. If there's something you don't like, we uh, and you know, to the man, they were pretty much satisfied on the first mixes that I sent out. The only guy that uh, really focused in and, and certainly I was on board with all of that was uh, Richard Page. He and I went back and forth a little bit, but not with any uh, tension at all. As a matter of fact, it was, uh, I had to sell him on the alien pipes. Oh, I love that. You know, if, if you recall it right yeah, on, on yeah, the, yeah. even the pain, because if you're familiar with his track, even the pain, it had been done of course by him in, in such a, an amazing way. And then the yellow jackets hit it with soprano sax and fretless with uh, Jimmy Haslip. And so I said, hey, look, man, one thing I don't want to do is repeat what has already been done. Mm -hmm. So when I had mentioned to him, I think we ought to go Alien Pipes on here because we're Irish. What do we keep messing around for? Let's just go ahead and be Irish. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so Paige goes, well, man, I'm 99% Irish from County Cork. I've never heard of the pipes. <laughs> <I> go, what? <laughs> so, are you sure you're Irish, lad? Yeah, because I'll tell on. you what. You know, I'm from Donegal, which is the West Virginia of Ireland, and we're all over the pipes. Jim. I'm changing the band name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're Sorry. Irish ourselves. So. Yes, we are. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, we'll have to get together when, you know, at some point, and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, a non-alcoholic right. Guinness. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, I introduced the pipes to him, he goes, I love it. <laughs> so he goes, what are we doing? Kind of Celtic gospel? I said, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, at any rate, uh, they were all very gracious and, uh, you know, enjoying the work. And like I said, we were very, very blessed and fortunate to have great guys like Alan Sanderson and Dennis Moody. So, mm. Yeah. You know, how, how you make a great record, you know, you hire a bunch of great good people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it is a great record. It is a great cause. Um, everyone should check it out. TJ, Vernon, both, thank you so much for doing this, for coming on yes. our show to talk about it. And we hope to hear great things. We hope to hear volume two. Just keep us posted and best of luck. Give us the uh, website to download it one more time, TJ. Sure. It's demand impact. Org. Sounds great. 
Well, thank you to you both, and uh, we'll be listening for the tunes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, you guys. We really appreciate it. Sure do. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, John. Well, John, that was uh, that was more than I bargained for. I knew most of the story going in, but not all of it. And, geez, man, there's a lot there, huh? Boy, the connections. The <laughs> you can't write po- that, man. I know. I was thinking, is it possible for something to be heart-wrenching and heartwarming at the same time? Because I think that's that what was that it. is. That was definitely oh. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Congrats to the guys and everyone involved for great work, uh, great cause, uh, just great story. I'm glad that we could get them on the podcast. So, yep. Very cool. All right. Well, let's try to shift gears into the silly portion of the podcast, and that's our lightning round. Yeah, let's cleanse the palate with a little sound effect. All right. There we go. My palate is still very, very, very dirty. All right. Here we go again. <laughs> getting better. Getting better. All right. Why don't you go? You go first and tell, ask I got me you. what floats my boat, and I'll... Uh, cleanse my own okay palate. this um this does have a richard page connection ah, cool. um how do i want to present this one to you i have a song here it's a pages song it has been rated on the yatsky scale i don't want to give you that number yet um but this is from their second album 1979 the album was called future street this song uh definitely has a yachty groove it's got a wire choir guitar solo it's got the pristine recording Heavy dose of roads. It's got sophistication. I mean, and it's pages, right? So yeah. all of that said, let me hit you with this song, and then I'm going to ask you the question. It's called The Sailor's Song. question is how do i want to put this to you okay i will tell you that the guys gave this they were fairly consistent so it wasn't an outlier that brought this down but they gave it and i'll say only only a 58 does that sound too low to you based on what you just heard yes it does uh it's got like you said all of the elements uh trojan horse content notwithstanding well, there's my question. Now you're see you're dipping into the pool too early. Here we go. All right. Is it possible for a song to get downgraded over the apparent use of Trojan horse chicanery? <laughs> Do you think that's what happened here? Um, possibly. Yes, that is quite little backlash. Possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's funny. A totally different way of looking at it. I was thinking this feels like a song that somebody would have put on a yacht rock playlist by mistake. Because of the Trojan lyrics content, but actually ended stumbling into a very yachty song, which yes. is super duper yachty for me. I put it in the 70s or 80s, to be honest. Yeah, as would I. So yeah. we agree on all accounts, I guess. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I am going to do my fellow bass player a solid here with my off the map. So okay. remember when we had John O'Grady on and we talked about City Pop a little bit? Oh, yeah. And my question is always, is City Pop Yacht Rock? And I think he mistook me to be asking him, is it technically Yacht Rock? So I know it's its own thing, and it was kind of, but it was contemporaneous to Yacht Rock over in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you a a City Pop tune, and you're going to have to tell me if it floats your boat, but it's an excuse to get Vernon Porter's awesome bass playing. Because when you actually, if you do hear this tune by Yoshiyuki Suzuki, 1982. Vernon Porter on bass, uh, Buzz, is it Phaeton? Phaeton? I don't know. They were saying Phaeton. They always said Phaeton, but I've heard them saying Phaeton now. I thought I heard somebody say Phaeton. Anyway, Neil Larson, Lenny Castro. Um, When you first hear it, you're going to hear this awesome bass that sounds like it's too maybe smooth, jazzy, or funky, but then it kind of settles in, I think. So, anyways, I'm going to let Vernon shine here and hit us with the beginning of I'm in Love. That's a little, um, 
little, actually a little more, I guess, aggressive than what I associate with uh, City Pop. It's almost like it's got a fusion bit mixed in there somewhere. Yeah, Vernon's coming in hot on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good, great tune. So does it float your boat? You think it's close enough? Would you put it in your playlist if you had to? <laughs> if I had to, yeah, I don't have a choice. Uh, would I put it in a Yacht Rock playlist? Probably not. Um, hmm. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's a good tune. It's not on Spotify anyway, so you right. can't. Okay, uh, see? I'm yeah, safe. Awesome tune, though, and stellar bass work throughout that tune. All right there. Buried Treasure, my man. Uh, okay. Buried Treasure. I am... I'm just going to give a song. I'm going to stick with the Vernon Porter theme. Um, I'm going to still wonder whether or not it's fighting, fighting, feeting, or floating. I don't know. But, it's not farting. Uh, it's not farting. Um, that Full Moon record. Uh, oh, yeah. Larson and, and Phaeton, let's say for now. Um, it's not a buried treasure, but it was to me, and it sort of underscores um, the whole reason we did this podcast was discovering songs like Phantom of the Footlight. <laughs> your term that's pure uncut yacht rock right there that that is one of the that's on my my short list of if you had to play somebody one song to tell them what does yacht rock sound like that might be one i would pick i always said jojo and i still stand by that but what makes this one credible is it has all those elements as well except that nobody ever heard of them quote right so because so much of yacht rock are these people that be that you know the general masses don't know about so the uh the undiscovered nature of it gives it some bonus points absolutely and that album's right out of 1982 as well so uh okay so no longer buried for me but when it was unburied it was quite the the joy what do you have for uh, absolute top drawer yeah, yeah buried treasure uh yeah i had uh one sent to me from uh listener colton Listener Colton, um, mm. he didn't send me this specific song, but he sent me this artist, and I started noodling around, and uh, he asked the question, French yacht? And he's saying <laughs> that we, there might be a whole episode to be done on international yacht, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out I think this guy is Montreal. It is French language stuff. Uh, his name, I will, I'll say it the way we would probably would say it here in English, is Gillis, Gillis Rivard. So it's G-I-L-L-E-S. Last name is R-I-V-A-R-D. Uh, the song is uh, translates into English to I Will Be Back. It's from 1981, and it's called, I'm going to get this horribly wrong, Je Reviens. <laughs> J-E- mm, oui, oui. Yeah, oui, oui. J-E-R-E-V-I-E-N-S. Sounds like this. J'ai vu l'ennui, mon ennemi. Je suis perdu en terre connue. So you mentioned John O'Grady earlier. He would say about that song, has all the goods. It has all the goods in it. Oh, incroyable. It? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are all over the seven seas today, aren't we? Boy. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, that's, boy, that's extra yachty for sure. I wish I understood a word he was saying, but... Uh, it's about fools and I think, you know, <laughs> lost love. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's better off without her, though. Right. Cool. All right. Well, then uh, I guess it's your turn. To, was that off the map? Or that no, was that was buried, buried treasure. treasure. So I'll go to off the map here. I was looking at our uh, our running list, our uh, Yacht Rock podcast debrief list, which I think you still link out to. It has all the songs that we've discussed, uh, some that are yachty, some that are definitely naughty. And I was shocked to find that we have not, at any point in our lightning round, talked about anything from Ole Barud. Oh, we haven't? We have not. At least it wasn't in our list. So, Yeah, no, I think you're right. We did in the Christmas album, though, or okay. the Christmas episode. That's yeah. right. Well, here's one from 2022. So this is brand spanking new. It's a little more retro sounding than Yachty. It's funky. It's swanky. But it is slick. This is called Just For A Little While. <laughs> On a mission I'm gonna tell you Why 
what that guy does. Amen to that. It's not always, like you say, exactly Yachty, like that tune, but everything is so well done and so well written, performed, produced, recorded. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff, Ole. Yep, definitely belongs in our uh, off-the-map list somewhere along the line. Were we supposed to have an international flair to this episode? I wasn't... (sighs) I didn't mean it, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you know what Mexican yacht is? (laughs) I made that up. Um, Okay. I'm going to go back to the the project, the Heroes and Legends album. Okay. TJ and Verdon put together um, only because, you know, this stuff's all off the map, but it's all really good. Yeah. And it all deserves some more airplay. Uh, I'll just remind people that. Buy the record directly from the demandimpact.org website. It's demand-impact.org, which I'll link to in the show notes because that way you know all of the proceeds are going to this really worthy cause. So do more than stream it. Do more than, you know, just buy the thing. Okay. That's beyond my soapbox. Anywho, I'm going to bring up the obvious, which is the Michael McDonald tune. Mm. So this one was written by T.J. George. Uh, a number of these songs were presented to the artists, as you heard Vernon say, and Michael McDonald himself handpicked this tune to re- uh, do vocals on. So, And this one's called, I think it's pronounced, Sangre. So Sticking to the international flair, though, because I don't know how to pronounce this foreign word. Yeah, well, that's we have an excuse because we're just, you know, podcasters. We're, we're not exactly what you'd call cultured people, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that gives you another taste of what the record's like. We, you know, it does have that kind of consistent mood throughout, like I said, and it's, it's just it's really good stuff. So, yep, yep, that's it. So, well, you get to choose the language. We're done, right? Y- yeah, I think we're done. Yeah, so you get to choose the language in which to say our parting words, so go for it. Mandarin Chinese. All right, how do you say ahoy polloi in Mandarin Chinese? No idea. (laughs) 